0: Hello and welcome to the Daily Booktopian for Tuesday, the 9th of June. My name is Nick Rosiliev and I am the social media specialist here at Booktopia and this is a podcast about reading in the time of isolation and social distancing. Joining me today is the head of trade product, Joe Lewin. Hi, Joe. Hi, Nick. And Scott Whitman, our business development and relationship manager for Booktopia Publishing Services. Hi, Scott.
1: Hi, Nick. Hi, Joe. Nice to be here.
0: Yes, lovely to have you both here as well, and we'll dive right into discussing uh, the books that you guys have been reading, and I'll throw to you first, Scott. Uh, What have you been reading uh, over the last couple of weeks?
1: Well, I I guess I'm a bit of a confused person because I read across genres, and I've been reading few different books that represent four different genres actually so uh, I, get, I guess people get used to that with me I jump, I jump back and forth but it makes life interesting. Uh, the first one that I just read this week uh, finished actually end of last week and I, I really couldn't put down is an Australian memoir called Fourteen by Shannon Malloy. As Mm, some listeners might know Shannon as a very successful um, journalist. He writes about entertainment and and other issues in news.com.au. And uh, this is a personal memoir. It's called 14 because it's about the year that he was 14, in the year 2000, growing up in a small regional uh, Queensland country town. Uh, which might be nightmare enough on its own for some people, those of us in the city, but uh, particularly for Shannon because he went to a very conservative Catholic school and was realising in that year that he was probably gay and uh, it was pretty obvious to a lot of his classmates too and he really suffered a lot of bullying and bashing and considered whether his life could continue like that or if he should take it uh, or what he could do To try and you know survive, basically it's a story of resilience and survival. And he thought of becoming an exchange student to get out of town, uh, which he planned to do. And it's about month by month, each chapter is month by month through the year how he dealt with with bullying. And it's got this wonderful uplifting message about there's always a future and a next chapter, and you know it won't last forever and how to overcome. Uh, what the sort of thing he went through. And I think any teenager uh, should read it and every school should have it on their reading list for the curriculum because it was really quite uplifting about pushing through and with a love of family and and confidence in yourself, knowing that whatever difficulty you're going through, that it's only temporary and you can survive it. It was a very open memoir and, and really very, very touching. And I think very worthy for anyone to read, gay or straight. It's not just about the gay issue. It's about overcoming adversity.
2: That sounds like it's something that anyone could use at the moment, Scott. I think, um, look, everybody, exactly. gay, straight, black, white, in between, is going through a bit of adversity right now, and um, we all need a few lessons, huh?
1: I think exactly. That's that's just what I thought, Joe. that, you know, at this time it's really easy to fall into feelings of hopelessness and despair, but as he wrote, i would learned from my upbringing, you have to pull yourself up when you fall down, and, uh, mm. you know, you'll be fine, that. Unknown happiness is always on the horizon. So that's a good mm-hmm. reminder when we're dealing with any depression, we might be feeling about lockdown and uh, our lives changing so drastically in the last months. Yes, it's a very uh, germane lesson for the times.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, indeed, and we, we've had him on our on our podcast. We've also done a couple of interviews with him uh, in with Shannon in regards to this book, and his incredible um, openness and, and honesty in terms of discussing the actual topics, which are very difficult to discuss, um, yeah. is something that is incredibly uh, I, fa- I found personally incredibly moving, and it's a real. Uh, it really goes to show how important a book like this is. And it's it's a testament to him to have the courage to actually write it and for it to be received, you know, in the way that it has, that lots of people are really connecting to it, I think, is a testament uh, to the quality of the writing that he delivered in it well you you're right but as i said
1: not everyone can relate to to coming out or realizing they're gay but everyone can relate to having to deal with adversity or mm. bullying or or trying to you know see a rosy future when you're in a um, a present which is not pleasant at all um but the book just covers the year but then there's a very gratifying epilogue at the end when he covers what happened thereafter in the rest of his life so you're not left hanging thinking well he's 15 now what happened you know you 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 are uh, finding out at the end you know the rest of his life and how his career and relationship developed so that was very satisfying too so recommend that's from Simon Schuster 14 by Shannon Malloy well the other one I've just started so I can't give you a finished review yet but I'm really enjoying the beginning and it's been a lot of people chatting about it uh, in the industry and online uh, in the last couple of weeks since it came out and that's Curtis Sittenfeld's new book Rodham Referring to Hillary Rodden, Rodden Clinton, and it sounds like a biography, but it's actually not. It's a very creative piece of fiction uh, based on the life of Hillary and Bill. Uh, she was at Wellesley College and met Bill, and uh, went back to Ar- Arkansas with him. And he asked her to marry him a few, uh, him her to marry him a few times, and she finally said yes in real life. But in the novel, she actually decides no, and so the novel speculates what might have been different and what would have happened to her career and to Bill's had they not married. And had she gone on with the ambition that she had, still has, I guess. Um, And it really looks at the whole theme of how it's different for women than men. It's okay for men to have political ambition or ambition, but uh, when it's a woman, it makes her look unlikable and it's it's frowned upon if she has big political ambition and she had to face that in her career. And would Bill have become president without her by his side backing him up as his wife and her sacrificing her ambition and career at the time to support him? That's the whole speculative part of it. Uh, It's got quite a few... Sexy and gripping parts too, which I'm not sure that Hillary <laughs> would like if she read, but it's very entertaining uh, and a very, very clever premise, just using her as her vehicle to discuss the difference between ambition and professional life for women and men. And I'm really enjoying it. And I think that uh, whether you like Hillary or not, it's not, not the issue. It's looking at that men and women difference in society through the prism of Hillary and, and Bill's life. Rodham. Have, have you had a look at that, Joe? Have you had a chance to yet? Um,
2: I haven't I haven't read it, but I've heard so many fascinating things about it that I actually I just can't wait. I'm really looking forward to dipping into that one. Yeah, such a fascinating, I- um such a fascinating subject and so um so brave, I think, of Sittenfeld to write about a living person, you know, like can you imagine? Being Hillary and reading that book. Exactly. Uh, can you imagine exactly. being Curtis, <laughs> exactly. knowing that potentially she could read that book? Yeah.
1: Well, I heard her interviewed the other day. That's Curtis Sittenfeld, not Hillary. Um, and she was asked about that and she said she she doubts. Is that Curtis Hillary Sittenfeld could a it. woman? Yeah, she's a woman oh, absolutely. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. I just Talk assumed yourself. that was a man. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's a woman. And uh, she said, look, Hillary, so much has written about her, she's sure that she doesn't read all this stuff and she wouldn't. But um, she she said uh, she, she might, you know, not like some parts of it, but... Uh, she, She's not critical of her any any way. She, as I said, yeah. she just uses her as as a vehicle. And she re- she wrote an earlier book called The American Wife, which was also fictionalized based on this the life of Laura Bush, George W. Bush's wife. So the interviewer said to her, "Is this a sort of uh, a series you're writing and a, a a theme now? You know about first ladies, because uh, Hillary was the first lady too." And she said, "Well, if it's a series or a theme, it's a pretty slow one because." <laughs> Seven years since the last book, so if only yeah. one every seven years, you know, <laughs> it's unlikely. She Look, just happens to have chosen this this uh, first lady to mm. write another book.
2: Scott, you you said anyway, that um, she's not used. she's not particularly critical of Hillary, but she's pretty critical of Bill, isn't she? She doesn't really yeah, paint him in a style. very kind light.
1: Yeah, the 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 tenor of this interview I heard was, you know, what do you think Hillary would think about it? They didn't discuss <laughs> Bill. <laughs> but I, guess, <laughs> I, guess, I guess, about think about it either, it. I suppose. He's used to criticism, I suppose. I
2: guess, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and it's nothing compared to the criticism of the current president, but let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> so my, the, my next one is a real change of pace. It's a little uh, picture book for kids that's just come out, and it's one of those... Um, Booktopia editions books that uh, we've just started to publish our own imprint of Booktopia so that's rather exciting for us this year for the first time to become a, a publisher and it's called My Dad the Secret Superhero by Carly and Seb as in short for Sebastian I assume Moon M-O-O-N-E and it's really timely post you know all the bush, terrible bushfires we went through. It's a picture book about a kid whose father is a volunteer firefighter and it's written in very cute uh, rhyme about how her dad, who's a farmer, joins the volunteer fire brigade and has to go out and help save the koalas and the wombats, etc., and uh, help save the towns that are threatened by bushfire, and how proud she is of her father when she realizes that he's a superhero. And it really teaches uh, kids about, you know, bushfires, surviving them, about the jobs that um, not just men, but it even says in the book men and women being uh, bushfire. Um, Firefighters and all the proceeds from this book, all the profits, uh, the authors are giving to the National Parks and Wildlife Foundation for supporting uh, animal uh, rehabilitation, uh, bushfire rehabilitation, and so that's really wonderful. And it's going to be—it's the first of what will be a series. I believe next year she's going to bring out one. My mum, the superhero, and the mum's a nurse. And the backstory is kind of interesting, too, because Carly Moon's father is actually in the Volunteer Fire Brigade and her mum is a nurse. So it's from her story and inspiration from her family. Really beautiful illustrations and very cute indeed for kids. I think all kids will enjoy in Australia reading this and all kindies and, and um, you know preschools should have copies also. My Dad, the Super Secret Superhero, go on sale uh, through us next week. Well, well, by the time this uh, goes to
0: air, if we're not going to air live, yeah. How wonderful. What a great, what a fantastic concept. There were so many, uh, I remember when when those bushfires happened and there was so much uh, political discussion and all around that, but there was a whole bunch, for example, kind of comics and uh, where they basically highlighted that the actual nature of, of being a firefighter and how it effectively is the, the of being a real life superhero so to kind of exactly. put that in a way that kids can understand is so fantastic
1: i'll just give you one i one idea of of its text it says then one day i got the biggest surprise he's not only a farmer it's a secret disguise he tried to hide it but i figured it out my dad's a superhero i've got no doubt it's really cute rhyming throughout. So i think families will love that And then the last one is uh, one I've been doing some research because I I do talks at various forums and I've been doing one on the history of jewellery and the Romanovs and it's a wonderful book on Fabergé, Fabergé Rediscovered. Of course, a lot of listeners will know of Carl Fabergé who had the famous jewellery house uh, based in Moscow in the 19th century but with outlets in Paris and London and and most famous for the imperial eggs that uh, Tsar Nicholas had commissioned for Fabergé to design and give him as, so he could give as a gift to the Tsarina Alexandra, you know, before the revolution, obviously. Uh, Each Easter, he would give her one and there were amazing jeweled eggs that you could open up, had a secret compartment would open and there'd be some other jeweled surprise inside. Uh, They've been, you know, hugely uh, valued around the world and sold at auction for fortune. Malcolm Forbes had a lot. Uh, and this particular book, Fabergé Rediscovered, is about the collection of Fabergé jewels, not just eggs, that were gathered by Marjorie Meriwether Post. She was a socialite and heiress whose father owned uh, the... I can't remember of the... Um, cereal company, post cereal company that became General Foods. And she was an only child and she was the wealthiest woman in America, one of the wealthiest in the world when she inherited uh, from her dad who died when she was just 21 years old. And she ran General Foods for many years, which was most unusual woman executive in the 1930s and 40s. And she ended up, she had a passion for collecting and she ended up collecting a lot of uh, special pieces of jewelry, particularly czarist jewelry and Fabergé, because one one of her numerous husbands was the American ambassador to Russia in the in the late 30s in the Stalin period, and they were selling off. Jewels there to help pay for their, their industrialization projects in Russia, and they didn't really care about the history of the stuff. And she took advantage of that. Key and I, as a collector, and she bought a lot of Fabergé and brought it back to America. And now her home, just outside Washington D.C., which is called Hillwood, is a museum uh, where you can go and see all the treasures that she collected—art and and all sorts of things, not just jewelry. But this book is about the 90 pieces of Fabergé jewellery that she owned that are at Hillwood, including two of the famous imperial Easter eggs. It's written by the curator of the museum there, Wilfred Zeisler, or Zeisler, Z-E-I-S-L-E-R, and beautiful illustrations. And I just love history and the history of the Romanoffs and the Fabergé uh, House of Fabergé is just fascinating. So if you like a coffee table book and you love that sort of history, particularly about jewellery, then you'll love this book, Fabergé Rediscovered. It's not a new book, but it's just one that I've come across and been reading because I've been researching the subject, and it's... uh, I don't know. It's a, around a, I can't remember if it's sixty or seventy dollars. Is that sort of uh, ballpark coffee table illustrated book that is for those who like that sort of thing? It's a must-have, I reckon. Faberge rediscovered. And I think actually that's a sort of segue to you, Joe, because you told me you've been reading the book a couple, a couple of generations before uh, of the Romanoffs. So what have you been reading? Um, Sorry, so Nick, have... I'm, I'm not, I'm not meant to be hosting you. Yeah. Either, <laughs>
2: Isn't Nick supposed to be the host? (laughs) It's okay.
0: Yeah, I loved the smoothness of the transition, so I'll I'll let that (laughs) one slide.
2: So I started watching um, the TV show that's on Stan at the moment, um, The Great. I absolutely loved the movie The Favourite, and and I absolutely love What's-His-Name that was in About a Boy, um, who plays – Peter, they're not so great in the in the show. Um, but my very, very limited knowledge the of I'm the Captain Romanov Captain, dynasty right. told me that it wasn't very accurate. and I wanted to know a little bit more because i love I really love reading about um female rulers. i've I've really I've devoured books about um, Queen Elizabeth and about um, isabella of um of Spain Castile, and um yeah. Yeah, of oh, Castile. That's right. Um, so yeah, I've picked up this book, uh, Catherine the Great by Robert K. Massey. Um, I wasn't wrong. The show is completely inaccurate, as much as it's really fun and has pretty frocks in it. Um, uh, but she's actually she's actually so much more fascinating than she even is in the show. Like, what a woman! She was just this kind of adolescent minor princess that was plucked from obscurity.
1: A German um, princess.
2: A German princess, that's right. And then you know, trucked over to um uh to Russia and flunked in there with this imbecile of a um of a boy that she was supposed to be married to, who didn't even know what to do with her. Um, yep. and you know, I'm only about halfway through, so she's not actually empress yet. Did you see the
1: other series with Helen Mirren playing her that also recently I was on? Um, yeah, that's worth watching too. Again, fictionalised a bit, but Helen Mirren was fantastic as Captain Grace. I bet Grace. she would be, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, no, so now yeah. you're reading the real story.
2: I am, yeah, and it's absolutely, I think it's it's even more fascinating than uh, than the Stan show. Um, he he was just a nut bar. Um, yeah, he, he was a drunk and he, like, you know, played with, Poise as an adult like incessantly and like just what a strange man uh peter the not so great was um, and, and fighting
1: with his son who couldn't wait to take over the reins as did catherine yeah it was it was quite a fraught family really wasn't it oh
2: absolute bunch of uh,
1: weirdos uh, I think it's one of those cases, Joe, of um, truth being stranger than fiction. Like, you you, you wouldn't believe it if it was written in a novel, you know, but it was all true. And her reign, of course, she transformed the Russian uh, um, dynasty, really, and made Russia the superpower that it became at the time, which it wasn't before she took the lead. Mm. Of course, her taking over the throne after her husband. And and a lot of people don't realise, unless they read a biography like you're reading, that... uh, Catherine the Great actually wasn't Russian originally. She was German. No. She learnt Russian and became Russian, but she was a German princess. So that look, it, it Massey... sounds like the,
2: the, the whole dynasty before, other than her, was so completely um, distant from their people that you wouldn't even really call them Russian in a lot of ways because, I mean, hardly any of them even spoke Russian in court. They all spoke French and German and all sorts of other things. They didn't know anything about their own people. She was the one that was sort of like, well, what's actually going on in this country, Who, like, you know, investigating actually what, what the country needed and what the people needed rather than only the needs of the court. Um, it's, enough, so,
1: it's enough to create an eventual revolution, you could think.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It was really the beginning of the end for the dynasty, I suppose.
1: Well, uh, Robert K. Massey, who sadly just died about a year ago, it was a very good biographer because he also, he also wrote a book on Peter the Great and he also yes. wrote a very interesting book of Nicholas and Alexandra on which uh, yeah, it's a whole the is in the 70s and they're all worth reading. But if people interested in that whole dynasty... I think the best book I'd recommend on it is uh, The Romanovs by Simon Sebag Montefiore. It's very anecdotal, very readable indeed. Uh, It came out a couple of years ago now in paperback and he's a great uh, expert on Russia and uh, it was a really great read from the beginning to the end of the dynasty, The Romanovs by him. That's a good one to recommend too. You you should go to read that, Joe. then you'll get the picture of the whole dynasty through the generations.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Mm, exactly it's it's amazing what sort of discussions you can have around that kind of from kind of to just checking out a show to reading a book and getting a full experience of, of, of everything so great picks there. is that your um, is that you know. your
1: family background nick with your name are you a russian stock also mm.
0: No, well actually well the name is the name is Ukrainian, eastern Euro, like eastern Ukraine, so um on the Russian side but my family is actually German. So s- similar to so, similar to Catherine. I, um, I was
1: wondering if we'd find reference to any of your family in these books, but I guess not.
0: <laughs> I'm told it's a, I'm told my 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 surname is actually very common in, in in Russia. Um which but I have, but I'd be curious to see if, if if I whenever I go there if if it is the case. Um but, yeah, a fascinating period of history and a fantastic selection of books. Um, so we like to finish uh, our, each of our episodes by uh, shouting out um, an Australian author um, in terms of a, for books they have done. And I'm going to throw this over to you, Jo. Um, who are we shouting out uh, in this part of today's episode? So I think it's really um, important in
2: the environment that we're in at the moment to shout out to one of our fantastic Indigenous authors, Um, So Adam Briggs, uh, who goes on Instagram by Senator Briggs from the hip-hop group AB Original, he said on his Instagram yesterday, you blacked out your tile yesterday. What are you going to do today? Um, So I'd like for um, for him to shout out his children's book, Our Home, Our Heartbeat. Um, It's available on Booktopia. Um, It's a fantastic kids' book all about um, Indigenous heroes, past and present. Um, So, yeah, big shout-out to Adam. Thanks so much for standing up for all of the Indigenous people in Australia right now.
1: That's a great shout-out. I have to look at that book.
2: It Mm. is fantastic, Scott. It's really great.
0: Good stuff. Mm. Excellent. That's a great shout-out and I think a perfect uh, time to to bring this podcast to a close. Thank you very much, uh, Scott and Joe, uh, for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, Nick. You're welcome, Nick. Always a pleasure. So uh, you can listen to any episodes of The Daily Booktopian and more on our SoundCloud and iTunes app. Um, And in addition to that, we also have a whole bunch of fantastic discussions about books, interview pieces with authors, and more. We'll be back at the same time tomorrow for another episode of The Daily Booktopian. Until then, keep reading and please stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. a u.